Um, this week, I was reading an article about seeds of revival, and one of the things it talked about was when you go to church, go to church with an expectation. And I thought about that. How easy is it for us that we get into the routine of church? You know, we kind of lost that routine for a while through, you know, quarantine and all of that. But how easy is it for us to get into the routine and it just becomes something we check off our list? But imagine how our lives and the atmosphere within the church would change if we walked in the doors with an expectation of what God is going to do today. And so I want to challenge you with that. Every Sunday, come in expecting something, expecting something big. And God's presence is already here. And he has things already planned for us today and words that he wants you to hear. And so I want you to receive and have expectation for that today. So let's pray and then we're going to get started, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you, God, that your presence is here. I pray, God, that we will receive all that you have planned for each one of us. We come with high expectations, God, that today there's going to be breakthrough and freedom and joy, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so it's been a year, wouldn't you say? (laughs) So definitely been a year. And at the beginning of this year, God spoke a couple of words to me. Um, One of them was just, you know, something that he spoke in my quiet time. And another one was one that was spoken over my family and I at um, Presbytery. And one of the first words was, the first of this year is going to be difficult. We're talking like week one, God speaks this. The first of the year is going to be difficult, but joy is coming. And then the next word was spoken at Presbytery, and it was the the scripture from Isaiah 61, where it says, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor and possess a double portion of land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And I have to admit to you today that those words have been very hard to stand on this year. There's been a lot of uncertainty, a lot of things I haven't understood a lot of curveballs that have been thrown. They've been really hard to stand on. How many of you have, can say that it's been hard to trust this year? It's been hard. It's kind of like we've been in a crisis of faith. It's been hard to stand on those things. And I will admit to you that it's been a struggle to see past the chaos, to see past the uncertainty. There have been mornings that I have woken up, like Pastor Mark was describing, being paralyzed in fear being paralyzed in worry, being paralyzed in what's going to happen next. Is my family going to be okay? Is our church going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? And it's been hard. There have been some mornings I haven't wanted to get out of bed or haven't wanted to get out of the house. And it's crippled me. And it's been, you know, the things we had planned have been thrown right out the door. And I was thinking about this last night And I thought, God, there's been so many changes this year, so many changes this year. And I heard God say, but I haven't changed. I haven't changed. And like Pastor Mark was sharing, he still reigns. He's still on the throne. He has not changed. And even though this year has been hard and I've walked through a lot of difficult things, there's been a lot of, 
you know, like I said, fear and anxiety and, you know, struggle of loss and plans not going the way we thought it was all going to go this year. I think we all thought 2020 is going to be totally different. Then it throws the curveball. With that, I have grown deeper in my walk with God. I have craved time with him more than I ever have before. I've craved his word more than I ever have before in my life. I've leaned on him. I've trusted in him more. And I have a deeper understanding of who he is. And in this year, when things have gotten hard and there's been the fear and the worry and the anxiety that's crept up, I've heard God say over and over three words, trust, surrender, and obey. Three simple words, but they're really hard to do. (laughs) They're really hard to do. They may be simple, but they're really hard to do. But it's trust, surrender, and obey. And we're going to talk about Abraham today. You know, Abraham is often referred to as the father of faith, father of many nations, He was promised that he would have countless descendants. Nations would come from his lineage. And he is somebody that we can look at where he he had faith. He trusted in God. He surrendered to God. He obeyed God. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. There were times that he controlled things, definitely. And but he had faith in God. He is a key biblical figure that we can look at. We can look at his faith and his trust and his surrender and his obedience to God. And actually, we're going to talk about the story of Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac, his son. And we're going to be reading out of Genesis 22. And I'm going to read parts of it, and then you may hear me kind of summarize. And then we're going to refer back to this chapter as well. But if you have your Bibles or you version, whatever it may be, um, you can follow along with me. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. I want to stop right there, because before we go into the next scripture, there's not any details of Abraham going, what, God? What are you calling me to do? What are you? T- How am I going to do this? There's not any details of him second-guessing God. Because in verse 3, it says, the next morning he got up early. He packed up and he went. I'm sure that night when he was, I'm sure he didn't sleep that night. I'm sure he tossed and turned. But what he did is he got up and he went out. He did what God was telling him to do. And then it goes on to say that um, on the third day of their journey, Abraham, he takes Isaac with him and his servants. And on the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said, stay here with the donkey to his servants. And he said, the boy and I, we're going to travel a little further and then we will worship there and we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, and Abraham replies, yes, son, we have fire and wood, but where's the offering? Where's the sheep for the offering? 
And Abraham responds, God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. So they get to the place where God is telling him to go, and Abraham builds an altar, and he ranges the wood on it, and he ties up his son, and he lays him down as a sacrifice on the wood, and he picks up the knife, but in that moment, an angel came and says, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham again responds, yes, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And I'm going to stop right there. Because you see, Abraham trusted God. And the first thing that God told me to do was trust him. Think about how many disasters in our life could be avoided if our first instinct was to go to God. If our first instinct was, no, I'm gonna put my eyes on you, God, not on the situation, not on the mess, but I'm gonna go to God. Like I said, Abraham was not perfect. There were times he took control of the situation. Think of Hagar and Ishmael, okay? That is one situation that he, even though he had been promised by God, you are going to have countless descendants, he and Sarah got a little tired of waiting. And they took matters into their own hands. They didn't trust in God's timing. They trusted in their timing more. And so Sarah offers Hagar, her um, Egyptian slave, to Abraham and said, I want you to go sleep with her. And from there, we can start a family. And so this happens and Hagar conceives. And then that's where Ishmael comes from. But if you look at the lineage of that, those are things we're even still paying for in some ways today. Because from the lineage of Isaac comes the Jewish nation and Jesus. But then from Ishmael comes the Palestinians, Muhammad, and those are still nations that go at each other, that war. But they took matters into their own hands. And how many times do we take matters into our own hands and it becomes a mess? And thank goodness for God's grace that comes and helps us clean up the mess and helps us, you know, just kind of start over and he fixes it all. But think about even when the timing isn't ours, even when we're getting tired of waiting, think about if we stop taking control and we fixed our eyes on Jesus and we trusted in him. What do you do when storms of life look like they're out of control? Do you try to grasp everything you can and control it? Or do you go to God? How differently do things look when we go to the Father first? You see, there's a difference, as we know, between unbelief and belief. Unbelief is you don't ask God. You don't go to him. But belief is, I'm asking you, God, here's the situation. What do we do? What do I do with this? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give up? What do you want me to trust you with? We first go to him. In Genesis 22, verse 2 and 3, it says, Take your son, your only son, and he's telling him to go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. And like I said, the next morning he got up. He went out. He tells Abraham what to do, and there's no evidence of an emotional response that Abraham had. He probably didn't sleep well, like I said, but he got up, he packed up, and he went out. 
He didn't have the details of what this was going to look like. He couldn't see the future. But what he did know is that he trusted in the one. And this was a test of the confidence in Abraham. Do you have confidence in me or do you have confidence in your son, what I've given you? This was a test of his heart. In Romans 4, 18 through 25, it said, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept on hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing in God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him righteous. And when God counted him righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit assuring us that God would also count us as righteous if we believe him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. He believed. His faith didn't weaken even in the hardest trial. And he remembered the promises. When God called Abraham, He gave him promises. He spoke promises over him. And in that moment, Abraham could look and remember those promises. And he obeyed because he knew that God was good and he was trustworthy. He remembered the promises of God and that God, even in the impossible, Abraham walked by faith and he was at peace because of the promise. You can be at peace because of the promise. I've had words spoken over me at the age of 12, at the age of 17, and there have been times in life I'm like, oh, those are done. Those words are still there. They are still promises from God, and God delivers You can be at peace in the midst of your storm because of the promises, because of his promises. His heart may have been torn in that moment, but Abraham chose to trust. In verse five, he tells his servants, we will return. In verse eight, he tells Isaac, God will provide When faith was tested and things looked impossible, he believed God instead of the situation and what it looked like. He trusted even when it looked impossible and he looked to God, his eyes fixed on him. Are you willing to trust? Even in the waiting, even in the storm, are you willing to trust? I love this word of encouragement from Isaiah 49. Verse 15 and 16, it says, Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. 
See, I have written your name on the palms of my hand. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruins. Sometimes trust is hard because we feel that we've been forgotten. Sometimes trust is hard because we feel alone. Sometimes trust is hard because we feel like we're stuck in a cycle. And this year I've cried out to God many times, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Are you stuck in a cycle? Do you feel like you've been forgotten? Do you feel like you've been forgotten even today, this year? I want to tell you, trust his word and stop listening to the lies. Stop listening to yourself. Because what I do know is through this year, what I have learned is that God is near. And when I completely trust in him and I give it over to God, I can feel his nearness. And I know that my name is written on the palms of his hand. You are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. And he can be trusted. He is good and trustworthy. And so I want to tell you, stop listening to yourself. There was a moment this year, I can remember it, in the bathroom at my house, one morning before, before the day was about to start, I was one of those mornings where I woke up paralyzed, crippled in fear, and I got on my knees and I gave it to God. I can't do this anymore. I can't try to control this anymore. I can't do this on my own anymore. I am trusting you with my life. I am trusting you with my family. I am trusting you with my job. I'm trusting you with my marriage and my friendships and our finances, whatever it is, God, I am trusting you. And I gave it to him, almost like pushing a huge box over to him. I gave it to him with open hands. And in that moment, I felt a shift. I felt a shift in that moment because he no longer felt distant. When we try to control and we don't trust, we're doing it all our own. It's our will, our emotions. But when we give it to him, we feel the nearness of God. We understand that he's been there all along. All along. And he's still teaching me and he's still guiding me. And I can see where he was working all along and where he still is working today. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may God, the inspiration, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. Are you stuck in a cycle of worry? Do things look impossible? Maybe you can't see past today. You can't see past the week. You can't see past the year. Abraham couldn't see what past what God was calling him to do, but he trusted that God was good and trustworthy. And he remembered those I will statements. I will do this in your life. I will do this through you. I will do this through your family. I will do these things. And he could be at peace because of the promise. Because what God promises, he delivers. What God promises, he delivers. 
He is a source. Not just any source, an abundant source. And he wants to fill you. And he says, fill you completely, not just partially. He wants to fill you complete. There's wholeness and completeness in him. And when we trust in God and we allow him to fill us, that's when that anxiety is crushed. That's when that cycle is broken. When we allow him to fill us, when we allow him to take the situation and put it in his hands, in his control. Romans 8, 28 says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. What I have learned this year is I needed him. I needed him. I need him every day. It's not just me trying to figure this out. He is with me. I needed him. And like it says in this, he wants good for your life. Lives. He wants good for you. And I can testify to that because I know that we serve a God that takes the bad and he turns it for good. He makes beauty out of ashes. He is a good and trustworthy God. I've seen through the, our home burning, I've seen how the church come, comes together and how we need church and we need community. Through the loss of my mom, it's made me become a better mother and closer to God and trusting in him. And through this year when our plans have been thrown out the door, I realized that there are things that I have inside of me I didn't even know I had. Creativity I didn't even know I had. Growth that I didn't even know I could do. Through loss of relate, friendships, relationships, and those things now, I know that, that he will be there for me, that I'm not alone, that he'll help me be a better friend, be a better person, understand those things. God takes what was meant for bad, and he turns it around for good. He makes beauty for ashes. And like I said, the second thing he told me to do was to surrender, complete surrender, not just partial surrender, complete surrender. You know, in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, it reminds us that he has plans for us and his plans are good. He knows the future. So why do we still struggle? Knowing that in his word, in his truth, why do we still struggle with that? But you know, surrender is a matter of the heart. Abraham had a test of the heart, and he wants all of you completely surrendered to him. Because you see, if we're not completely surrendered to him, and we only give it partially to him, like, okay, God, you can have that part, but I'm going to take this part, it hinders the work of God in our lives. If we are not completely surrendered to him, 
it hinders the work of God in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I want all that God has for me. And I want him to work in every area of my life because his way is best. My way is not good, but his way is. So God is asking us to be completely surrendered to him. First Peter 5, 7, it says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. That's the character of God. He wants you to go to him with those things. He wants you to talk to him about those things. He wants you to come to him with open hands because he cares for you. He loves you. You were never meant to carry it all. One of the things we talk about in Pathway Kids when we're talking about this scripture, and we've done an exercise before where you um, have a backpack and you put it on one of the leaders, and then you start filling that backpack with like books, heavy things, and it's like, okay, how hard is it for this person to walk around with this heavy backpack on? You know, and we talk about those things we're carrying like unforgiveness or worry or fear and all those things, and it weighs us down. And then we talk to them about how, what happens when we give all those things to God. And we take off the backpack and we set it aside. You feel much lighter. We were never meant to do this on our own. We were never meant to carry all these things by ourselves. Matthew 11 reminds us, if we're burdened, come to him. He will give us rest. Let go of the things we are controlling. Let go of the things we're trying to put first in our lives. And give it to God. Be completely surrendered to him. And I do want to say this, that when we give it to God and we're surrendered to him, I'm not saying you relinquish responsibility. I talked about this in first um, service and my husband laughed at me. But um, we were talking about if you're having problems in your finances or sticking to a budget or any of those things, I'm not saying you just, hey, God, here it is. Do what you will with it. You know, and then we just take responsibility. No, we go and we get help. We do our research. We talk to somebody about, hey, can you help me put together a budget? Hey, where can I cut spending? We, we learn. We rely on others. We maybe get plugged into a financial freedom life group, whatever it may be. Or if you're struggling in your marriage or at a job or anything like that, you give it to God, but you listen to him. You let him guide you. You get connected to the people that can support you and help you with this. And you take responsibility for it. Not control, responsibility with God's guidance. Philippians 4, 6, verse 4, verse 6 and 7, it says... Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Control is something we place on ourselves. Control keeps us in a cycle of fear. The enemy is going to come at you each day. He's going to come at you every day. But I want to tell you, as it says in Lamentations, that his mercies, God's mercies are new every single morning. And great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. 
Surrender is not a one and done. It is a daily choice that we have to make. We have to choose to trust him, choose to be surrendered to him because like it says in his word, his truth, great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. And you can go through the day knowing that he's near and his mercies are new and he is faithful. Isaiah 6 Verse eight says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. If you look in chapter 22 of Genesis, you'll notice a couple of times Abraham says, here I am. How many of you are willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, I'll take that next step. Here I am, Lord, I'll serve in that ministry. I'll lead that life group. Here I am, Lord, I'll participate in that outreach. Here I am, Lord, I will call that family member that I need to reconcile with. Here I am, Lord, I'll go to counseling for my marriage. I'll talk to someone about my marriage. I'll pray for my spouse. Here I am, Lord, send me. He wants complete surrender. He wants your whole heart. He wants you to give it completely to him because this story that's being written is his story and we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of it. Are you willing to have open hands and let go? Let go of the control. If you want change, If you want freedom from this cycle that you have been stuck in, take it to the cross, leave it there, and don't pick it up again. Don't pick it up again. He wants complete surrender. I'm going to go ahead and ask you this question, and I'll ask you again at the end of this message. Are you withholding anything from him? And the last thing that God spoke to me about was obedience. Obedience without hesitation. And I'm sure some of us can relate, but um, sometimes I'm a little bit stubborn. And so when God is telling me to do something, I'm like, you sure about that, God? Have you seen me? I don't think I have that capability or I'm not enough for that. Or do you remember what happened last time we tried this? You start second guessing yourself. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who had warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God told him to leave his home. When Abraham was first called, God told him to leave everything he knew and go where God was calling him to go. Complete surrender. 
and go into another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going, or even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise, and so a whole nation came from this one man. She believed that God would keep his promise, and so, oh, I'm sorry, I got off. And so the whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore, there's no way to count them. And all of these people died, still believing what God had promised to them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance, and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. You see, by faith, Abraham left all that he knew, and he went to where God was calling him to go. By faith, he had a child. Abraham knew that God was going to keep his promises. And a whole nation, nations, came from the lineage of him. And then if you look in Matthew 1, that's where we see Christ. Abraham believed. He surrendered. He obeyed. Like I said, he wasn't perfect. If you read his story, you'll see many times he took control and it ended up in a mess. <laughs> so, but he is an example of obedience without hesitation. He didn't rebel. He didn't hesitate. He said, okay, God. And he got up that next morning and he packed up and he went. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care how many times maybe you've been hurt in church or hurt by others. But if God is whispering something in your heart, if he's calling you to take a next step, if he's calling you to reconcile with a family member, or if he's calling you to lead a ministry or serve somewhere, he put that in there for a purpose. And he wants us to obey without hesitation, to trust in him that he is enough this year, God told me to do two things at the beginning of the year, and I have avoided those two things at times like a plague because I've thought, how am I going to do that? I don't have the time. I am not capable of doing those things. I am not enough. But he keeps reminding me of those things. And the times that I've sat down to do those things, it's been so easy. It's yeah. been like second nature because it's what God is calling me to do, what he needs me to do in that moment, what he's whispering in my heart, what he's nudging me to do. And when we act out in obedience, I'm not saying it's always gonna be easy. There's gonna be things that are gonna be a little tough and there's gonna be some growing and some stretching that's gonna have to happen. But we can rest in remembering that we can be at peace because of his promise peace in knowing that he's enough. Like I said, this has been one of the hardest years of my life, the year 2020. 
There have been times I've just wanted to throw in the towel and be like, okay, God, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) You know, I don't know what is going on here. I'm done. But he hasn't released me to be done. And he keeps reminding me of his promises and what he's calling me to do. And so what I've done is I've pressed into him. I've leaned on his understanding. I've trusted in him. And I've grown in ways I never even knew I could grow in. And been stretched in ways I never even knew I could be stretched in. Because I've had open hands. I've been surrendered to him. I've stewarded what he's given to me. And I've trusted in his faithfulness. When we trust in God... It's about accomplishing his will in our lives. When we trust in God and we obey God, it's about accomplishing his will in other people's lives. Maybe that thing he's nudging you to do or that next step he's nudging you to take, it might be about someone else that needs to hear God, that needs breakthrough, that needs to get out of this cycle that they've been in. If he is whispering something in your heart, obey. Obey without hesitation. Allow obedience to become second nature. Be ready. Be ready. Okay, God, what do you have for me today? Okay, God, what do you want me to do today? Because with obedience comes blessings. And with obedience becomes revelation. Obedience equals blessings and revelation And when we obey in a little, it lets God know that he can trust us with a lot. Obey in spite of inconvenience. Obey in spite of loss. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. In all things we submit to him. In all things, not just a few things. In all things, we submit to him. He wants our trust, our complete surrender, and obedience without hesitation. You will never enter God's promises for your life doing it your way. Is there anything he's asking you to hand over to him? Is there anything he's whispering in your heart? Don't give up. Trust in him and know that he will provide. And we, if we look at the end of the story with Abraham and Isaac, after the angel tells him to not lay a hand on the boy and talks about you truly fear God, you have not withheld anything from me, Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. You see, in that moment, God provided. God provided. And then he was reminded of the promises of God over his life. What are you withholding? Are you hesitating on what God is calling you to do? I believe now more than ever, we as Christians, it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to trust in his goodness It's time for us to trust in what he has for us. It's time for us to surrender all of our heart because he wants to reveal the depths of his heart to you. It's time for us to walk in obedience. 
I was reading a post from one of my friends on social media, and it was a um, post about things that are going on in our nation right now, in our world right now. And somebody commented on there, I just don't know what to do. I, don't, I, I pray, I fast, but what do I do? And yes, we pray and we fast, but I believe that God is wanting our generation, us as Christians, to rise up, stop taking control of the situation, let Him have control, trust in Him, be completely surrendered to Him, and walk in obedience in what He is calling us to do. Because what He is calling us to do is about accomplishing His will, not ours. Accomplishing His will and what He wants to happen in our lives and through us, through our family, through generations. So it's not time to just sit back. It's time to trust Surrender and obey. Trust Him. Surrender and obey. If you'll go ahead and stand. I asked this question earlier, and if you want to just take a moment and just close your eyes right now, ask God to show you, is there anything that you may be withholding from him. Is there anything that you are withholding that you are not completely surrendering to him? And maybe for you today, maybe God during this message, he was nudging you saying, I need your heart. I need you to receive me as your Lord and Savior. I want you to trust me. Surrender to me. Receive me as Lord of your life. What are you withholding from Him? Ask Him to show you those things. Then like I said, maybe today, is nudging you saying hey come to me receive me accept me and if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed you can just lift up your hand and we'll take a moment and pray that prayer with you so right now in this moment if God revealed something that you were holding back I want to pray over you If God nudged you to receive him today, I want you to pray a prayer that we're going to pray in just a moment together. But right now, let me pray over you. God, if there's anything we are holding back, we give it to you. We are at peace because we know that we can trust in your goodness that you are trustworthy. We completely are surrendered to you. We give this situation to you. We give it completely over to you. And we trust that your ways are best. I take control off of this situation and I lay it down at the cross, never to pick it up again. The cycle is broken. Freedom has come. And today, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can pray a prayer that goes like this. Jesus, I love you, and I'm completely surrendered to you. 
I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I know my life will never be the same. I trust you with my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I'm ready to start this journey with you as you being first in my life. I'm going to go ahead and ask our ministry team to come to the front. And today, maybe you need just a little bit more. Maybe you need somebody to pray in agreement with you over whatever you may be holding back or whatever God is trying to reveal to you. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And then I'm going to have you come down front if you want to receive ministry. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this morning. I bless this amazing group, and I pray, God, that this will be the best week yet. In Jesus' name, amen.